0: What's up Wiz kids? Another off the bench, our second playoff edition of the show. Jamoke Davis here with Jacob Rain, Jeremy Hyman, Chris Gehring, Zach Rosen, and we have a special guest coming on later, Michael Lee. Yahoo Sports, the vertical. Looking forward to chatting with him, uh, guys. Let's jump right into it. We're talking about Game One. Washington Wizards beat the Atlanta Hawks 114 to 107. Uh, let's go around the round table. Your top observations from the game. What you liked about the Washington Wizards, uh, what they did, and and maybe individually. Mine is going to be Markeith Morris. I thought he was great having his brother there, Marcus Morris there. I think really got him hyped. It was his first ever playoff game. I thought he just was he just played spectacularly and really set the tone for the team right off the bat. Jacob?
1: Um, I like the fact that every time we're on national TV, um, you see just strings of tweets being like, oh, yeah, people forget John Wall's really freaking good. Like, he was <laughs> simply sensational in that game. And you all – and I don't understand how people can forget that he's one of the best players in the NBA, but they seem to. And then he goes – lights up for 15 points in the fourth quarter and uh, – third quarter, and um, – and puts the game away essentially. And so I mean it's this somehow it's not in the everyday basketball conversation it seems that this guy's one of the best players in the league but every time we're on national TV people seem to remember all of a sudden. And I think this playoffs is, is going to be a John Walsh the John Walsh show.
2: Hawks Twitter remembered. Hawks, Hawks Twitter, Twitter did remember. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly remember. They let it they let it be known. A lot of lot of retweets there. Um, I I liked what I saw out of Kelly in that second half and I thought his intensity level that he brought even in the first half when he didn't play as well. Even before the game. Listen to
0: our Kelly Oubre podcast we recorded
2: yesterday too. That's right that's right Kelly Oubre and Kelly Oubre senior Senior. on the pod but that's that that's one thing that stood out to me. I thought the crowd was great too but um, you know I'm expecting that throughout the playoffs but I think this could be not a coming out party for kelly cuz some of the stuff he does might not be recognized or mm-hmm. seen but uh, you know it won't show up in the box score as much but just the intensity level the energy he brings that he brought especially in game 1 and he knocked down some big shots there in the fourth quarter and i think he's a guy that's going to play a lot of crunch time minutes because of his defense and i know Scott Brooks loves that lineup with him yeah. in there yeah um shutting guys down when it matters the most in those fourth quarter minute. So that's going to be something we'll watch con- continuously throughout the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with, with March and Gortat kind of playing off of that, of, of your point about Marquise Morris. I mean, March talked yesterday about how he, they knew that they had to deny um, Howard the ball, deny Millsap play tough in the paint. Both of those guys did that. And, and March also noted, he was asked if, if the absence of Mahinmi, you know, was in the back of his mind knowing how he needed to play smart in the paint. And and really elongate his minutes, make sure he's not in foul trouble, all those things, and uh, he was able to do that really really nicely, and I think that helped us a lot, kind of weather the storm. as the you know the Hawks played well to start the game, mm-hmm. they they found a little bit of a rhythm, got a lead, um, but as usual and as we've seen in this team do all year, that second half, um, yeah, really, I think the the class of the Wizards kind of kind of shown through as the game wore on.
4: Zach Rosen. Yeah, you guys touched. I think on the the main the main guys who really showed up for the team. But I thought Otto Porter's rebounding was really important at times. He he got he played big against an athletic team. Uh, you know, his offense may not have been the storyline by any means, but I thought he he just battled um, nine
0: rebounds, second most on the team.
4: Yeah, and then I mean Bradley Beal, we've come accustomed to him just scoring twenty points a game, which is really important to the team you know he picked up those two fouls in the first quarter mm-hmm. and he had to sit but that, that gave him some time to conserve his energy and play almost the entire second half and I just thought that after a slow start he recovered really well and showed how much he's improved this season
1: well I thought sorry to no please go ahead on point. I thought uh, the thing about Beal's game is that He wasn't shooting the ball particularly well, but he found other ways to score. And I think that's huge for them going forward that they know that he's still going to be – he's going to remain an offensive weapon even when he's not shooting the ball well from distance. So I'm doing a bunch of things during the game. I'm
0: working with the shooters who are recording it for our recaps that we're putting on WashingtonWizards.com and on Washington Wizards on Twitter and Instagram, Um, but where I like to sit and log the clips and kind of – observe the game from somewhere quiet is all the way up on the 6th floor in the Capitals Radio booth is where i sit um shout because out to John Walton. shout out to John Walton which is a great little you know it's a tiny booth i f- I, f- I feel like it's it's really um uh, comforting to just kind of sit in there and i'm kind of by is it myself soundproof when you're up there it's not soundproof no so i cheer i'm yelling i'm loud but nobody can see me uh realistically do all of this stuff but but tnt at the time and uh they took over the the main csm booth on the sixth floor uh, which is right next to where john walton sits but it's just interesting to see the game from that perspective because you're seeing all of the fans when they jump up and they're excited. And while the player seems small, it's just amazing how you can still feel the energy all the way up on the sixth floor of what's happening down on the court. I know you guys sit all together. So what is that like for you when you're covering a game? How much are you all talking, communicating, you know, who sends the tweets, who does the Instagram, you know what are you guys working on during the game? Because I'd like for our listeners to kind of know what we do. You know, while we're covering the playoffs, you're
2: trying to pull the the curtain back. Yes, and just see a little what, bit. How, just how how a little everything bit. Everything works. Yes, break down the fourth wall a little bit, right here. <laughs> break it all down. Oh no, I mean we've our digital department has obviously grown, doubled in size over the last couple of years. So that's helped a lot with a lot of our stuff. Um, but uh, you know, Jacob and I have been doing this for six years now, and I usually handle most of the in-game live tweeting, and then we have uh, some of our other staff members here cutting up <laughs> highlights, <laughs> tweeting out, tweeting out highlights. So you'll see stuff coming in-game. It's usually a mixture of gifts from in-game that are that are pre-cut that we already have sort of in store that are, um, you know. Uh, for certain guys you know different players if they're playing well or if they make it three or if they dunk or something that happens Then we're cutting gifts in game from the game like from a basically in real time So like if you see John Wall scream or pump up the crowd Then we'll cut that and that's usually coming. Yeah, you know That'll be fired up too and then uh, the in-game highlights have been great over the last couple of years We have a new service that helps us cut cut all that as do most of the teams in the NBA mm-hmm. And they uh, and we cut all that stuff up uh, almost in real time as well. So that's so that's kind of how the Twitter feed works in game.
0: Any any uh, other thoughts on we, th- how we work in, together? I
1: mean, we're we're pretty much in constant communication. We're about a combined you know six feet apart. Yeah, game crammed onto. You're a standing table. up the whole time, Jacob. For the most part, I I'm standing. I do a lot of the. I don't know what i do. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Jacob, 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 is the, the big D. <laughs> he's he's call, we oh call him God. the big D. Okay. Big director, Jer- <laughs> we'll, we'll, Jacob. We'll cut that. No, we're
2: not cutting that. We we'll can't take that. He's we'll the big that. D. He's the, <laughs> he's the director. Um, but, yeah, and then Chris and Zach, who, they they uh, cut up a lot of our highlights, and they're getting a game store game recap ready, putting a photo gallery up. Um, and everyone's kind of has their eyes on the game and on the vid- on the broadcast. so if someone sees something they'll say yeah. something about it. Um, if someone sees something on the jumbotron we can get that stuff cut. And then you know the on the ground stuff sometimes the sometimes the only way to get stuff is to be, in the in the moment on the ground, especially on the road, when that stuff is a little bit harder. Yeah. Um. So we've gotten some stuff, you know, that locker room footage from when the team clinched the division mm-hmm. from L. A. Or There's great
1: stuff of the guys heading off the court that Jeremy got in um, in Portland after mm-hmm. the game winner. There's some good videos there.
2: Yeah. Sometimes that stuff is just you know you have to get on the court and film it yourself you know off a camera phone. Boots which on is, the ground journalism. Which is uh the it's amazing just, uh, you get some good stuff that way too so all that the stuff amazing thing
0: up. about jeremy is i've never seen jeremy run and he gets every single shot at least on the road because obviously chris and zach i see you guys on the court like doing the starting lineup and stuff jeremy never runs anywhere and yet at the end of the night he's got all of the best highlights he was at pregame he's at shoot around halftime when they walk off the court if something happens good He's in the locker room for that, so I give you a shout-out, Jeremy. A you do a one job. It's like that job. time-turner
1: from Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm not blessed with great speed, so what you have to do is plan and know. You just have to know where people are going to be or as you anticipate. Anticipate. Where people are going to be, and now after doing it for a bunch of years, you just kind of get a feel of how things are going to happen. Sometimes you have no idea, yeah. and sometimes John runs off the court and runs to the locker room, and I had to actually chase him down once. <laughs> And I do have th- that <laughs> footage has not been posted online, but it is on my phone because it's it was not editable for <laughs> some of the language <laughs> the language that was on there. But there is footage of him running back towards the locker room after they did get a big
1: win on the road. But uh, Jeremy's a savvy veteran. What is? It's, it's funny because most 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 home games, at least when we um when when the game is close in the fourth quarter, I'll go down to the. Uh, I'll go down to the court and try to get another uh, a phone video of the of hopefully a game winner. Yeah, and I'm always sprinting all over the place. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm always like, sprinting. I'm stressed. I'm sweating. I'm running. <laughs> and all all year, I think that of the I probably went down for like what twenty fifteen games this season maybe to try to get it. I got one usable video. <laughs> one usable video. <laughs> one video. It was the it was the John Wall buzzer buzzer beater against Chicago. It's your first playoffs,
0: Chris and Zach. What is it like for you in that first? What was it like for you to that first game?
4: Uh, it was exciting. I mean, I feel the energy on the court before the game because that's usually where I am uh, getting some footage right before of the warmups and being behind the bench towards the end as well. Uh, you really feed off the energy of the guys I think and the crowd was great I mean we've been hearing the same music and the same sound though we change it up in the playoffs yeah uh, during the game and I think we still you know kind of feed off of it Uh, but it keeps you going because they are these are long days the games really take a lot out of you at the end of the day and I think that it's just the, the positive energy and I know like Kelly like yesterday he tell you like it just comes to you it's the vibes and that kind of thing
3: yeah the energy from the fans um, you know you could tell the difference you could tell it was playoff time and obviously the 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 atmosphere of you know having all the white t-shirts and everybody you know the the, the entire field being changed and some music being changed the open video which is awesome and you can see that on our social media channels as well being changed all that stuff you know contributes to what really makes you know this job an awesome job and yeah why we all do it and um you know the coolest moment of game one i think probably was standing on the opposite baseline from the wizard's bench not realizing that marcus morris and thomas robinson were sitting right behind where <laughs> yeah. i was standing yeah <laughs> and then being right there when keith came over pregame mm-hmm. uh, you know to dap up his brother who was wearing his jersey and you know Those kind of moments that you're able to be literally right there for is is really cool. It helps us a lot, obviously, and it's great content for us, but um, it's also cool to just be there and see that. And, you know, obviously their brotherhood and all that stuff is well documented. Um, It's really cool to see.
0: It is. All right. So I, uh, listen, we're going to stop right here because I feel like we've done a great job of giving you our WizKid listeners uh, inside access into what the digital team does to provide great content for you. Productions, we work hand in hand with them. I'm working with the editors and producers and shooters to help kind of like orchestrate getting that coverage that we put into these videos. So we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll have Michael Lee from The Vertical. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. We'll talk about NBA playoffs. And then on the other side of that, we're going to pick up with our roundtable and talk about uh, game two. Looking forward to what the Wizards need to do to get a win there. Stay tuned. Welcome back on the podcast. Off the bench here. Now it's just Jacob Rehm and Jeremy Hyman. Uh, Zach Rosen and Chris Garing will join us for the third segment because we have now joining us as a special guest. Michael Lee. Of the Vertical, formerly uh, a beat writer covering the Washington Wizards. Now he does more of the national coverage of the NBA, so we thought it would be great to have him on. Welcome, Michael Lee. Thank you very much for joining us. First, we want to obviously talk about the Washington Wizards. What are your thoughts on where the team is, what you have seen from game one? You've actually come to a couple of practices, too. and, And just the season, what you saw from this team, maybe some of the similarities from when Paul Pierce was here the last time the Wizards were in the playoffs.
5: Um, I see an attitude adjustment, Um, I see a belief system um, that's different than what I'm accustomed to. I see a a faith and just a confidence in what they can accomplish that before I thought it was more just trying to talk yourself up into believing something, Mm -hmm. but here I think that actually it's rooted in something concrete. I think that the early start, the slow start, which led a lot of people, including myself, to doubt what the scene was gonna become um, really just made them stronger and and more, uh, you know, resolute and just believing that this could be a special year. I think that, um, you know, to have that kind of dramatic turnaround from two and eight to get 49 wins, to win a division, to uh, have home court advantage for the first time in 38 years. I think those are things that are pretty tough for fans to grapple with, especially when you've seen mediocrity Uh, Mm -hmm. For so long from an organization Uh, But I think that this group Sincerely believes that it has a chance To go to the conference finals And it's not a total fantasy When you think about where the team Was or appeared to be headed You know, not too long ago I mean, when they made the playoffs in 2014 They upset the Chicago Bulls They really pushed Indiana And I think if they had If John and Brad had had more playoff experience They probably would have won that series Mm -hmm. And then the very next year You know, they sweep the Raptors, and they beat the Hawks in the first game, a 60-win team on the road, and then John gets hurt, and it sort of disrupts what they could have done. John (laughs) miraculously came back, but it was too late. Um, But you realize they were right there. You know, Paul Pierce was on the team, then obviously, and he was pumping up Brad and John and convincing them that they were the best backcourt, convincing John that he was the best player on the floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, they played like it, but, you know, injuries – they're tough and especially at this time of the year uh, but they were right there. They, they could have played Cleveland two years ago in the conference finals and I think people forget that because last year was so disappointing because you feel like you're building towards something and it just seemed like the energy just wasn't there last year and uh, you know bringing in you know a new coach this year, um, bringing in you know having Marquis for the full year, you know having Otto you know playing the role that he's looking, been looking to play for a while. I think all those factors just led to the team, you know, after trying to figure out Scott Brooks' system, just taking off and believing it. The conference finals is a realistic goal, and not even a goal, but a place where they should be.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's very interesting stuff out of Michael, who, who used to cover this team. You know, he was around them every day, yeah. so he knows some of these guys very well and has been around them you know we used to go to watch this team kind of when from the John and Brad early early years so I, that's interesting to hear you say that because we talked earlier on this podcast about how this team and one of the things I was a little worried about heading into the playoffs was that this team didn't have a Paul Pierce they didn't have Trevor Ariza the seasoned veterans the guys that have been there over and over who have won titles who have been through the ups and down to the playoffs but now do you think now that John and Brad from going through that year with Paul and this is really their team now they're the leaders not only are they the best players but this is their team it's their locker room and how do you think that they can take that step and be those guys
5: I mean this is you know clearly the testing grounds to see Mm -hmm. if they can but I think this is what they wanted you know Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've been with John since he got drafted you know 2010 and I remember when they're, you know, Phil, uh, Flip Saunders, late Phil Saunders, rest in peace, you know, said, you know, John's gonna be our leader. And, you know, they wanted him to be the leader. And I remember talking to him, doing stories about growing as a leader and trying to become a leader. And it just wasn't something that he felt comfortable doing, primarily because he didn't know where he was going. He didn't mm-hmm. know what the heck he was doing. You know, he's trying to figure out how to guard Chris Paul and Steve Nash, and he doesn't <laughs> know what <laughs> any of this is. Um, and they put, and a lot of pressure was put on him to be that guy. And he just didn't know how to handle it. Um, there are a lot of guys on the team who had more experience, but just weren't, you know, as good. Or, and I think he struggled with that, the losing, you know, coming from Kentucky. And I think it just took a a whole lot for him to try to get that confidence and that that belief in himself that he could lead. You know, when they when they had Trevor Ariza here and Al Harrington, those were guys that just did a lot to boost his confidence, to tell him, "You're the man. This is your team. Take control." You know, we have faith in you. We believe in you. And he needed to hear that because um, that's that's what he leaned on, you know, having an older veteran, a guy or guys who won championships or have been in that position. He 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 wanted that and accepted it. And then Paul Pierce came around and just raised it to another level, you know. Um, he's like Bundini Brown. I don't know if you guys know him, but that's Muhammad Ali's corner man, you know, who wrote like basically every great poem that Muhammad Ali recited. He was just the hype man. So Paul was that wow. for him, yeah. Um, and he just wound up just pumping up. John and give him that confidence. Um, But last year, Paul wasn't around and John didn't have that voice in his ear to kind of remind him that he was good and he was great. Um, And I think the team just, like I said earlier, they just didn't have that spirit. Something zapped it out of them. I don't know what you could attribute it to, but it just wasn't there. And they miss out on the playoffs. And then obviously, you know, this summer, there was a lot, you know, made about free agency and who to get, who not to get and um they didn't get anybody who was gonna you know make make it change the pecking order you know with the franchise so i talked to john about it well
1: jason smith is is pretty great like (laughs) let's not i'm not i'm not disrespecting (laughs) anybody i'm not i'm just just kidding with you i'm just kidding with you mentioning any names we are big jason smith fans (laughs) here uh
5: but i think i think in terms of john and brad's you know ability that there was nobody to lean on there was no super vet you know, Al, Al, um, Al Horford obviously was a guy who Flirted with coming here, he didn't come yeah. So that meant John, Brad You guys, it's on you And I think they've said it to themselves over and over again But they had to Really step up if they wanted it to happen And so much was at stake, so many questions about Their compatibility If they got along, and I think that, that Really kind of fueled a lot of this season Is that, okay, we're going to prove That we can make this work, we're going to prove That we can be leaders, and I think for John Having Scott Brooks here was a big key, too, because he helped, you know, turn him around and, and make him believe that he was not just a, one of the top point guards, but to believe he's a top five player. And whether that's true or not, it didn't matter. It's just the mentality you have when you're on the court. You know, I, I wrote a story about John recently, and I, I said it's like, you know, a Persian cat, if it looks in the mirror and sees a lion, you're not going to convince him it's not a lion. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened with John. He believes he's a lion now. So when he gets out there on the court, you could tell him whatever it is you don't like about his game, whatever, he's not listening because in his mind, when he steps on that floor, he's the best player and he can go at you. And I think that's really what I mean when I say there's an attitude change with this group because there is a lot of confidence, it's not any kind of arrogance, they're not taking anything lightly or taking anything for granted, but there is a belief that that this is their time, this is their moment, there's an opening here where they can actually break through, and i think that um you're seeing that now with their play
1: mike you just um the story you just wrote um on the vertical which everybody should obviously go read it <laughs> was it was brilliant um as is everything that mike writes oh man um on on death row dc <laughs> um you know this has been a sort of a, a a rallying cry amongst some of the guys now can you can you tell us a little bit about how that story came to be for you and and writing it?
5: Yeah, um, you know, I've been, you know, I follow a lot of these guys on Twitter, social media, and, you know, I realized that, that like, around January or so, Death Row DC started to become this hashtag, you know, from Mark and John and, and Brad. They were all, you know, tweeting out Death, Death Row DC. And uh, I kind of, I mean, I, I, obviously, I grew up listening to Death Row records <laughs> and uh, <laughs> big fan of Snoop and Tupac and Dr. Dre. So, uh, I knew exactly who they were referencing, but for me, it was kind of just. I mean, I know a lot of these guys are icons and, and legends, but you know, at, at you know the peak of Death Row, these guys, some of these guys weren't even in kindergarten, so yeah. I didn't even know that it would be something that they would even want to reference. But um, but yeah, so I, I saw I kn- Keith had such a great game in Game One. I just figured it'd be a good time to ask him like where this whole you know Death Row thing came from, and uh, and it, it really was just like I said, it's more about a mentality change and, and having that edge and having that kind of nastiness that, uh you know, to kind of earn respect. You know, I think that it was easy to doubt the Wizards, you know, when they're two and eight and seven and 13, and they start winning a little a couple of games. You know, it's like, oh, is this a fad? Is this a little hot streak? Is this a soft point in the schedule? And I think it was easy to question whether this could actually turn into something. But in their minds, they felt like there was something real here, that this was, a. they turned the corner, um, and they were believing John was healthy, you know, Brad was healthy, um, and their starting five, even through all their early struggles, still was consistently one of the best five-man lineups in the NBA. So there was evidence that this could be something they could build on and grow from, but I guess they just needed a little more a catchy <laughs> nickname to let them know, and you know, uh, you know, somebody who grew up in, you know, the whole that whole era. I, I know what Death Row represented. And, uh, you know, in terms of hip hop music.
1: Well, I noticed on your, uh, in your Twitter bio, you say you used to be a fan of hip hop. Yes. To, no,
5: no, no, I do not say that. I said, I used to love hip hop. Okay, sorry. Which is different than- That's bad I listen, by me. Well, <laughs> yeah, listen to what you did <laughs> here today. Which, which is different than saying that I I still like hip hop, I still listen to hip hop, but there's a different level of passion. And I think that, you know, when you're twenty one and you're listening to rap, it, it talks to you in a different way but mm-hmm. when you're a grown man and you have a wife and you have family, you, you look at things a lot differently. A lot of the lyrics <laughs> uh, don't resonate the same, um, you know, cause you're like, you know what? Life's a little realer than this. I can't just, yeah. <laughs> you know, get caught up in that. So that's what I mean more than anything. Got it. I still, Got I still it. like it, but I'm not, I mean, there's no more record stores. and you know? Hey kids, I used to be no, record stores. No, but you stores. know what,
0: Michael? That's a funny, funny fact. Do you know that records outsold digital copies last year for the first time. Wow. Vinyls are back in. Everybody's buying vinyls. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I
5: don't have a record player anymore, but I yeah. used to have one in my house. Unless you know how old I am, I don't <laughs> care. But, you know, I, I used to go to CD stores. How about that? Yeah. CDs. CDs. No one CDs, buying CDs. No one's buying okay. CDs. No one I used to go to CD stores like every Tuesday and buy hip-hop. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was my thing. But, yeah, so, but I, I still like me. I still like music. that still, you know, pushes me, but it's not the same it was when I was younger. But but no but so the death row uh, thing, uh, just talking to Markeith about it and then talking to Brad and having them sort of break down, you know some of the personalities and yeah you know yeah. the fact that you know Keith was like Keith was Snoop I thought Keith was Suge I I I was, I was surprised <laughs> that he was Snoop because he has a big beard and yeah yeah uh, yeah and Snoop doesn't have a beard like that but uh but he he Snoop because he's kind of laid back and cool and mm-hmm. um you know you may not see that if you look on the court he doesn't look like he's a laid-back cool guy but he really is off the court and then uh I asked Brad like uh you know why, why was John Tupac and he said because John's a little crazy <laughs> that, that, I said okay that works and then uh and I said, BL that, is Dr. Dre I said why are, I said why are they call you Dr. Dre he's like because there is no death row without Dr. Dre <laughs> and oh, nice. I was like so you know I guess he lets everybody know how important he is to the whole establishment um, and, you know, and, uh, and I was talking to Keith, you know, guys are walking by and he's pointing out like Trey Burke walked by walk by. He's like, oh, there goes corrupt right there. <laughs> and, you know, so he's letting me know, you know, that uh, this is a fun thing that, that they have. Like this is a team that that enjoys being around each other. You know, they all when they talked about when I talked to them about the whole death row thing. The one thing that came up is that they all talked about having fun and being like a family. And that's really what they feel like that represents, you know. It's like it's not anything serious. It's just, just something to kind of keep the guys tied together and keep them linked and and having fun. Because, really, it's still a game. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of money, a lot of things at stake. But yeah. it, it's still a game. You're with these guys every day. You're with mm-hmm. them more than you are, your family. You want to be able to connect. And, and winning is a great way to to bring it all together. And you think about it, this team went 42-20, and 20, you know, its last 62 games, which is – that's pretty – Pretty, pretty good yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, you know so they didn't get 50 wins which I think was the goal that you know they yeah, set out for but that bummed me out. You know, it doesn't matter you know 50 is a nice round number it sounds cool mm-hmm. um, but if they go to the conference finals you know I don't think anybody's gonna be sweating that they didn't get 50 wins I think you want to you know try to go as far as you can in the playoffs and I think that's where you can really establish your reputation and really make a name for yourself you know Brad you know it's funny when he got his big contract last year a lot of people would say why is why are they giving Brad all this money he hasn't proven it he hasn't played a full season what, what is the deal and, uh, and I, every time I would get asked that I was like well I understand you look at his numbers in a regular season but I would I said I advise all of you look at what Brad does when it when it's real money time when it's yeah. playoff time yeah and you can't really question how he performs in these on this stage Mm -hmm. uh he's a guy that really raises his game um that's i was surprised that he was slow to take off in game one because he usually just shoots like shoots the lights out in the postseason uh but it was funny he was like just after the game i kind of heard him talking to to trey burke and he was just like that this is not happening again like he's not (laughs) going to have another rough you know beginning he wants to come out from the gate shooting The way we're used to seeing them shooting, so I just I just feel like a lot of people for that one having one year, you know, to disrupt progress it also damages memories Mm -hmm. because people don't remember, you know, that John and Brad, um, I think in that 2015 playoffs, they proved that they're ready, you know, they proved that they were really good players, Um, and I think that this postseason could give them another opportunity if they go further to really show people that, you know, there's something special in D.C.
0: So uh, there's something special in D.C. There's something special about the NBA playoffs as a whole. You cover national uh, media for basketball. What other storylines or anything that's exciting you about the playoffs, be it Golden State or what Cleveland's doing? They went up 2-0 last night against... Indiana, who obviously had a little bit of a controversy at the end of the game of who should have the ball at the (laughs) end of the game. They missed a chance to make that series one, one and to a home court advantage.
5: Yeah. That's the one thing about Cleveland and why, you know, they're so hard to knock out. Like LeBron, like you think you have a break, but you don't like any mistake you make any slip up. LeBron's going to take advantage. There's a reason why he's made it to six straight finals. um, Because, you know, teams think they have them, but they don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you go with Indiana, the history with Miami Heat, they had a couple of playoff games that they could have won, and they would have won if they had just got that one game with that one play. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way when you play LeBron, you know. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see going forward if they can maintain defensively, you know, to, to get back to the finals and possibly repeat. I think that that's one area where if I'm another Eastern Conference team and I look at them and say, oh, well, we might not win, but we're, we could give them some, some problems for real if, mm-hmm. we, if we defend. you know, yeah. we, could, we could take advantage of the fact that they don't defend. Um, but LeBron is just such a tough guy to take out because beating him four times, Golden State thought they could do it last year. They're up 3-1, and they're like, okay, we're going to take out LeBron. And he's like, nah, I'm no, about I'm about to <laughs> make you all the greatest asterisks in NBA history. You got the all-time wins record and gave up the title to me. So um, so even if LeBron's getting older, he's just such a tough out. So he stands out. Um, with uh, I like what I'm seeing in, uh, with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I think that it'll take time, but eventually people will learn how to pronounce his name. And they'll Do you think <laughs> the Bucs are going to win that series? I don't think they're going to win the series. Um, I think Toronto's going to figure it out at some point. I think that this is their annual tradition to get to the playoffs and look crazy in game one. Yeah. Um, they've lost nine in a row in game ones. So um, I think that's just what they do. They're, they're, got, they're a team that – they're not just going to jump in the pool. They like to stick stick their toe in at first. hey <laughs> dude <laughs> And a lot of times while they're sticking their toe, you know, they allow a shark to bite the toe And off. they're losing by 20 points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, snap. Well, this is the playoffs. Like, we can't just, you know, we got to jump all the way in. And it takes them time time to do I think they'll eventually figure it out. I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to play as poorly as he did in that first game. So I, I think they'll win. But I-, I am impressed by what the Bucks are doing. And I'm impressed. I think that going forward in the future, like that's going to be a team that everyone's going to be afraid of, because I think Giannis is going to be a guy that in you know five years or so, even maybe, maybe quicker, he's going to be in that MVP conversation. Yeah, he's going to be a guy that's it's really going to be tough to deal with. And they got the length; they're so long, they're athletic, and they're sort of the antithesis to what Cleveland's been building over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So they're a scary team, I think, going forward. And I, I, I'm just interested in seeing their growth. And seeing just how, um, you know, Giannis does on this stage. Um, You know, I'm also checking out Boston. I'm a little worried about them. Yeah, Um, that was sad with I.T. Yeah, that that right there, I I just couldn't imagine trying to play basketball under those circumstances. I I realized he has tremendous courage and heart um, to come out there to just even put on a uniform, let alone Mm -hmm. get 33 points. I don't even know if I could put on, you know, socks. You know, yeah. if I lost a family member that close. Um, but you know, he's a competitor. His teammates are sure to rally around him. I don't know if that'll be enough. Um, but yeah, it's just such a tough situation because you don't want to have anybody kind of dealing with that kind of personal drama. Uh, you know, in the playoffs, and that's but that also is part of the equation. You know, they're they're. You have to be mentally strong and mentally um, you, you focused, you know, yeah. at this time of year. And there are going to be things that pull you away. This is so much bigger than basketball, though. Mm-hmm. That is just, I, I, like I said, I applaud him that he was able to get out there and compete. I just don't know. I, I think, like, Chicago probably has the best player on the court with yeah. Jimmy Butler right now.
1: Well, the Celtics might have the next five.
5: <laughs> they might. <laughs> might. But, you know,. <laughs> It might not matter, mm-hmm. you know, because
1: I think it, the funny thing, too. Paul, was very clearly the best player in game one.
5: It, but also, you remember, the last time Jimmy was in the playoffs, he wasn't the guy. Yeah. So this is the first time that he's been in this position, he's been in this role, and I, I think he's another guy I'm, I'm interested to see how he handles being in his position because we mentioned, you know, how the Pacers couldn't, you know, close with the with the um, Cavaliers. And, yeah. You know, you see Paul George sort of looks like a one-man band out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, how do you handle being in that leadership position when things aren't going well? So I'm interested in seeing how Jimmy responds in this situation. I know I haven't talked about the West. That's, <laughs> That's all
0: right That's all right We got enough I feel like the okay. East is good uh, This is a great I still think the Warriors Are going to wind up Winning everything How about, that? How about that How about that there's, there's your Michael
1: Lee hot take Right there
5: <laughs> I know I'm going out on a limb
0: Folks Yeah, I I, I think that this was uh, a, a great time To chat with you Michael I really enjoyed Thank you so much uh, Having you on yeah. uh, it, it, Hearing about just seeing you in a different aspect of not being a beat us reporter. Back to the good old days. It does. <laughs> it does. <Sitting> <laughs> <next> <laughs> to you in, uh, yes. media row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
5: I, don't, I don't have the great one-liners. Being a it's Jerry.
0: That's right. That's right. Do y'all want to? Do y'all want to <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> reminisce? Yeah, I I'd be,
1: I'd be remiss to ask if we if we close the interview without asking how you felt about Jason Vargas being your ace right now. <laughs> We switched question? to baseball, a little inside I th- I think baseball. We might just wow. a little bit. Our
5: ace, our ace is Danny Duffy.
1: Uh, Jason Vargas looked pretty good so far, though.
5: Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, but I, I, I will say this I am a Royals fan. We are Royals. And, uh, and these O's ain't Royal. <laughs> uh, but oh, I still am so bitter about that series, Michael. <laughs> I'm st- I, I know it's going to be a while for the Royals to win another championship, but I'm glad I got that one in you, 2015. Oh, that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty amazing all right uh, so w- much, when we Michael. come back yeah. we'll
0: look ahead at game two bring back on chris gehring and zach rosen to join us so the wizards let's look ahead to game two uh they're already winning game one they have a winning record against the hawks in the playoff games they're now 12 and 11 uh, not a big record, but to think that they were five hundred and all the times they face each other's interesting. And the Wizards are now nine and one in the first round games of playoff action since two thousand fourteen. Washington has the second best first round winning percentage since twenty fourteen. Cleveland's the only one with a better record at nine and oh. John Wall had a career 10 high, high ten and oh, excuse me. That ten need and oh and 0 now. From last night's yes games. Yes.
2: Yes, we forgot to update from last night. Great numbers,
0: Jamal.
1: Uh, yes, um, numbers thank you guy. to
0: PR for helping us get those kind of numbers. And John Wall had a career high, thirty playoff career high, thirty-two mm-hmm. points in game one. Let's look ahead to game two. Uh, what do you think the Wizards need to do? Keep up the physicality. Uh, is it just about John Wall and Bradley Beal continuing on? Do we expect another player to step up? I.e., maybe Otto Porter. I know you mentioned Zach about what he did in rebounding, but maybe it's another player that's going to step up offensively.
4: I think the Hawks are going to throw some different players at uh, John and Brad. Um, Cephalosha, Tyler Cephalosha, who's an experienced player, great defender, did not play last game. I'm not sure if he's going to play in game two.
0: You had that breaking news in our first playoff yeah, podcast right. about news. the change in the lineup.
4: Um, I think they're going to throw Kent Bazemore, Torian Prince, maybe some of their bigger, uh, lengthier guys at our guards to try and slow them down. I think Schroeder, as we s- we saw in that that series of photos with him getting crossed over by John. He <laughs> just could not hang with him in the third quarter. So I think the adjustment then becomes who's going to step up, like you're saying, if those guys are getting locked down a little better. Mm-hmm. And I think Otto's a good candidate. I think Boyan Bogdanovich celebrating his 28th birthday today is a great candidate 20th. as well. He's not 20. 20. 20. I said 28. Oh, I heard, he heard 28. <laughs> he like, no, he said it. He said uh, it. He said young Boyan Bogdanovich. <laughs> <laughs> uh when he shaves, he looks twenty. <laughs> uh, but I think twenty-eight. Those guys can.
1: He even starting the league until he was twenty-six. That's yeah. true.
4: Played overseas. I think those guys, if they can knock down some shots, because they're going to be possibly guarded by smaller players, if they can shoot over them, that that'll be a, a big deal. But yeah, physicality definitely. I'm sure someone else talked about that.
1: Jacob, um, I think that you need to just. I really liked the way the team played in game one, and I think that continuing to go to your bigs and keep them involved is going to be really crucial. Um, Dwight Howard was a non-factor on the offensive end for them, and I think that was, you know, if they can keep him off the score sheet, the Hawks are going to have a really hard time winning ballgames in this series. He, he dominated the glass as usual. Dwight always is going to do that, but a, much most of it was on the defensive end a lot of uncontested rebounds and such. And so I'd say if they can continue to throw some different looks at Dwight and keep him out of the series march and continuing to win that matchup will go a long way to this being a short series.
3: Yeah, I think I think all of that and continu- John continuing to be aggressive. You know, we know that he's one of the better passes in the league. He's a great point guard. And so not only can he score, we saw that. We saw that he can use his quickness to really make a difference on the offensive end. Um, but also when he gets past Schroeder, whoever, um, his decision making and his ability to find players, guys like Keith, um, Otto, Brad, when, you know, you, you assume that Brad is going to, is going to heat up uh, Mm -hmm. quicker in one of these games, you know, obviously he was a, a great contributor in game one, but, um, we know that he can certainly heat up quickly and and really make a difference early on. And maybe that's something that the Wizards, that the Wizards shoot for this time around. Obviously the Hawks hung around a little bit in the first half. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe you jump on them a little quicker if, if guys like Brad and Otto hit some shots early and and um, really take control and, and really set the tempo as we go to, uh, go to Atlanta this weekend.
0: Jeremy, do you like the fact that the Wizards almost came in waves? You know, Chris talking about how Bradley kind of came on late. Like, it's almost like every quarter or, you know eight minutes or so. It was a different player that was hot at the time, and it kept Atlanta off balance with understanding what Zach was talking about. Who do you focus on to try to stop them?
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the best qualities about the Wizards is that, yeah, John and Brad are the, the two two lead guys, but there's a lot of guys on this team that can score and that can hurt you, especially offensively, and that's something we saw like with Keith getting going, and that was you know, one of the best games we've seen him play in a long time um with that kind of energy and I think you know you saw in waves like that like you said is um you know that's going to be why the Wizards move you know advance Mm -hmm. why they're going to play well and that's why I don't think they're going to tweak too much of what they're going to be doing going into game two because they they play their their system They, they I thought they played a good game there's not too much that they need to change in terms of you know lineups or rotations we'll see pretty much the same guys as long as Jason Smith I know heard his knee Kelly Oubre had a knee they both didn't practice on Monday but both I would say are both expected to play yeah. for game two Wednesday yeah. and you know bearing injury even with Mahimi out I think they did a nice job in game one um and
0: you want to kick off the predictions for Game Two? Maybe give us a final score or just Wizards wow. win.
2: Final score? Well, you know I'm predicting a win because yes. I got Wiz in five. Yes. Um, I will say final score: Wizards one hundred
0: and eight, Hawks ninety nine. Ooh. Okay. Maybe not that close.
3: Yeah, uh, I think I think the Wizards take it, score more this time around. Uh, I don't know about that. We'll go. Let's go Wizards 110, Hawks mm, 97.
1: 97. I'll say Wizards 122, Hawks 87.
0: Eighty-seven. Whoa, a blowout! I hey, I, think, I, love I, it, is, I love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> I think this is. I think this is. A, I think this is a silly. Uh, it is silly what activity. Like, what else? Predicting scores. Why? You, I love doing that. I know you love it. I mean, I think. What, what are we? What are we going to sit here and I'll predict the Hawks to take game two after. Well, we, maybe after we, Zach. Have we really outplayed him in game one? I think that would be silly. I okay. Think if the
4: if the game is played at the Hawks pace, there won't be a lot of points. But if the Wizards can get to hundred, I think they'll be able to win. Yeah. You know, hundred and ninety-five. One or whatever. Not, that can that can the be the my prediction. Yeah, not I'm calling <laughs> for. <it>. But <laughs> I think I think our crowd is our crowd is going to be even better on Wednesday cuz it's not Easter Sunday, it's a night game. So that's going to factor in. It's just our crowd has become really tough to to with our team here just, you know, 30 wins at home. It's been tough to defeat. Yeah. Once. Yeah. So uh that's going to be a, a bigger factor I think on Wednesday. Okay.
0: Um, I I do also think that the Wizards will win. I think they'll score maybe, I'm going to say 105 to 93 is going to be that's what I'm going to stick with my prediction, but obviously we all want the Wizards to win. Who doesn't? DC family, hope you show up and be loud, and I think the Wizards all talked about that in post-game, how much it meant to them to have the crowd behind them and and really being active. I'm
1: looking forward to when uh, we pod for game three, and Jim Oki gets on and goes. You know, I think going to Atlanta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Hawks 108, Wizards 89. <laughs> like, who's who's gonna predict the Hawks to win? Well, in they they got we got to
0: say they're gonna win one game. I actually think that Game Three may be the toughest game for the Wizards. I that don't, the Hawks may that may be the one think they the get. Hawks
1: are gonna win a single game.
0: No, but I feel like that's. I'll
1: give them one. So I'll, here's, I'll give them so one, here's, here's the and thing, I feel right? like Game I Three think, could I be the that, one. I think that before the series is over, the Hawks are gonna get one or two games. But I do think we're the better team. So if you ask me to predict each individual game. I'm going to continue. Always oh, is to wait, so the say to Wizards. Wizard. All right,
4: Jamocha, you got to ask Jacob every pot now. This okay. sounds like right. game theory now. Yeah, That's correct. It basically it, is. 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 I'm is. Okay, even though can we sign off, Jamoka? <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs>
0: theory, so. All right, Kids. hope you enjoyed this podcast playoff edition. For Jeremy Hyman, Jacob Rain, Chris Gary, Zach Rosen, we want to thank Michael Lee for joining us from the vertical Yahoo Sports. I had a great time talking to him, and we look forward to potting from Atlanta, the ATL. It'll be Jeremy Hyman. Zach yeah, so Rosen and myself on, on the so road. So, <laughs> so
3: well, we're going <laughs> to call you. We're going to call, call you. <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. <laughs> Ciao for now, everybody.